2: to wise men by the color of his skin.
1: far as like summing up things
0: you know I love that song and uh you know we (laughs) we had discussed that we tried to use it once before and my recollection which could be way off was (laughs) that being a a real Aerosmith fan you're like yeah it's a little too commercial not one of my (laughs) favorites I, I, you know, it sucks because
1: that sounds exactly like
0: something I would say. Totally. Plus, I with just, the, I, the classic, you know, Michael Shundley face of disapproval.
1: <laughs> I just don't remember saying it, which, you know. Now, truth be told, uh, though. It happens. It happens. It does.
0: But it's all well that ends well because it is a great <laughs> tune and it is apropos <laughs> oh, for today.
1: Fits the circumstances. And I'm sure you got, like, probably an anecdote or story behind I that, do, song. I do. I do. That, of course, was Living on the Edge uh, from Aerosmith. That was off their 1993 album, Get a Grip. Yep. And uh appropriately, according to Steven Tyler, it was inspired by the nineteen ninety two l a riots. huh okay you know, another another case of chaos unleashed right and uh, and yeah, it's it's funny. the critics absolutely hated the song, and it won the nineteen ninety three Grammy for best <laughs> Rock performance by a duo
0: or group with a vocal. Of course it did, which is like, Grammy you elaborate out of a little touch, bit more, right. <laughs>
1: But uh, but yeah, terribly appropriate for for what's going on these days. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's almost like you wake up every morning going, okay, what's next? What now?
0: Literally, it's like what what's the next shit show? Yeah,
1: and uh, and of course, the most recent shit show, you know, the big neon elephant sitting in the corner of the fucking room here is the situation with the Supreme Court and Roe v. Wade.
0: Right now, maybe we should throw an early disclaimer out there. Let's do it. We never. Want to weigh in on what I call like the real chunky debates, yeah. where depending how you look at it, there is no right or wrong. It's a classic debate where you have two sides, yep. two sides believe what they believe, and they're never going to change their minds. It would seem. Let's say, you know, you could throw probably gun control in there, yep. an abortion, any, any religious topic, you yeah. know, well, something like that's never going to be resolved. Right. It,
1: it seems like we fought this fight, you know, back in the
0: 1990s. Right. And if you and I were, were you know, enjoyed arguments that have no end, clearly we (laughs) would have been married. (laughs) So (laughs) we avoided that bullet. So I just wanted to say that to the good folks at home because it's one of those topics that seriously we never wanted to touch. But in this case, there are enough extenuating circumstances and different angles that we're going to touch on some of the peripherals, let's say, of the argument. Well,
1: it's hard to duck the fucker. It really is. Because like I said, it's that big, humongous, ugly flaming fucking neon red elephant in the room. Yep. And uh, and you know just like I was saying, you know, it feels like we fought this, you know, back in the 90s, you know, being generation X guys that we are. I'm sure they felt the same way when, you know, the original ruling went down in 1973. I'm sure they feel like didn't we sort this out back mm-hmm. then? But no, here we go again. Someday this war's going to end. Right. And and I got to say I have two main problems with this, two overarching issues with this whole fucking scenario. All right. Uh, first one being prohibition. It never works. True. Never has, never will. And the repercussions of prohibition are ridiculous. I mean, the obvious is alcohol prohibition in the 1930s. Let's see, how good did that work out? Um, created organized crime as we know it today. Yep. You know, brilliant guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, the drug war, same thing. A shit ton of same money. Same thing, different tech, Absolutely yeah. wasted. A long, you know, disgusting line of casualties that came out of that. It just doesn't work. And it it
0: created also a new class of criminal.
1: Yeah. The cartels.
0: Exactly.
1: It inevitably pushes things underground. I mean, I I don't mean to, you know, rain on anybody's parade, you know, evangelical Christian idiots, but this isn't going to stop abortion. No. It's not going to stop anything.
2: Nothing stops.
1: You will do the hardest
2: time there is. I'll pull you out of that one bunk, Hilton, and cast you down with the Sodomites. You'll think you've been fucked by a train.
1: You know, if, if, like I said, if anything it's going to push the whole scenario underground, um, it's going to set off a civil war between the states amongst other wonderful byproducts of the scenario. Yep. Um, it just, its it's, I don't know what you're going for with this, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. My other big bitch with this is the timing. Yeah. You know, I mean, really? Right now? We got to do this now? I mean, (laughs) we couldn't put this off, you know, until sanity kind of has, you know, come back. No, because
0: as I mentioned to you on the side, there's other forces at work here, uh, and that's something we'll touch on in a few minutes, you know, the different reasons why this all came out and who stands to gain and uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I would say that even though my, my uh, interests in political leanings are that of a conservative, uh, and I am Catholic, I am, however, pro-choice. Because yeah. I agree with you that it's, it's an inevitability.
1: Well, what you are is what's commonly referred to as a common <laughs> sense conservative. Yep. You know? I mean, and, and let's, let's just, you know, for a minute, let's, let's set the scenario, shall we? Um, we're dealing with a public who has been dealing with a global pandemic for the last two and maybe three years, a roller coaster economy um, heavily controversial presidential election that just just took place two years ago um, a war in Europe yep. you know where one of the two participants has got the largest second largest i should' say nuclear arsenal of any other country on earth um, we 're looking at at least three controversial supreme Court Appointments, mm-hmm. you know, over the last couple of years, like this isn't crazy and, and complicated and fucked up enough for you people that we have to throw in this debate it's on top like of everything, everything is else.
0: Adversarial, really, adversaries. It, it's the story, it's the lead of the day in every aspect of our lives. And yes, the last thing we needed was something again, this a debate, the size of abortion. To rear its ugly head again, yeah. When we've got so many other issues, and I'm not going to say they're they're more or less important, just that we've got so many other issues that we can solve. Yep. That we should be attending to. Yep. Rather than getting wrapped up in in, in, a, in a debate with no winners. Yeah. And equal sides of you know controversy. It's, they they just want us to tear each other apart. It,
1: it would appear. It would appear. Again, you know, to put put this into. Uh, Perspective into context. Uh, these are some of the things that are going to come up uh, over the next, you know, 18 months. If we have to do this now, uh, five of the six judges uh, on the Supreme Court were appointed by presidents who did not get the popular vote when they were when they were elected. So there's a lack of a mandate going on here. That's going to come out. Um, you know, they're they're. Lording over a, a decision that's going to further divide an al- already seriously divided American public, uh, the Supreme Court will effectively politicize themselves. You know, it's not like they were immune to politics prior to, but this is like the slam dunk of that scenario. Right. Um, you know, between 69 and 70 percent of the st- of, of the voting populace, depending on which survey you lean on, is for abortion you know, to one extent or the other. You know, everybody's got their little restrictions and whatnot, but 69 to 70% of the populace, the voting populace, favors access to abortion to some degree, all right? Roughly half of U.S. states uh, are, will immediately prohibit it across the board, period, end of story. Mm-hmm. You know, 13 of these states have what they call trigger laws, where they were set in place so that if this happened if Roe v. Wade were negated, mm-hmm. these other laws would bah, immediately take ju- jump in and take president. You've got states that are setting up to be 100% uh, abortion is illegal. period, end of story, and then you have the other half of the states setting themselves up to be, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh,
0: I don't know, I don't um, know what you're with this. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> well, they're uh, anyway, there are states that are uh, obviously going to be pro- Abortion, there. Mm-hmm. God, what is it? Sanctuary states. Thank All you. Right. That's that's All what I was looking for. So you know you've go, you're going to have you know states going to war with each other over this shit, right? Um, right now, there's uh, a bill moving through the Louisiana state legislature that will make uh, abortion akin to murder. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, uh, that will not recognize rape or incest. As uh, a reason to allow for an abortion, right? I mean, this shit is crazy. You know what's bearing down on us right now—the out-of-control freight train of, of of conflict that's bearing down on us—is is off the charts. Right. It's like uh, well, you let can't me even let wrap me, your brain around this. Let shit. Let me throw the
0: steam train in in reverse just to play catch up. Well, thank you, Don. Um, you know, I, I I think by and large, now granted, look, Mississippi going to be Mississippi. All right. Yeah. Texas is going to be Texas, so on and so forth. Yeah. And the flip side of that coin is California is going to be California, and New York is going to be New York. Yeah. But the uh, let's say th- there's never going to be a, a ruling where there's just carte blanche, abortion, great, A-OK, do it, whatever. Right. There's always going to be stipulations, and that will go either, if it's left up to the states, probably, yeah, every state's going to have its own little set of regulations. Yep. Even the ones where it's quote-unquote totally legal, okay, yep. it seems like we tend to float around like the 15-week rule, yeah. where they say yeah, anything after that, yeah, it's too late. Mm-hmm. But where you get into the fine print, things like you just mentioned, incest, yeah. rape, or instances where the baby's not going to be born healthy, um, or it's going to be born in a state where it's a danger to the life of the mother. These things, I have faith that, by and large, except for the most backward of states, this is why we've got 50 of them, folks, <laughs> it's going to be okay. And if you've got to go one state over to take care of your business, you know what? It's not the end of the world, okay? No,
1: but one of the issues, again, uh, looking at you know, state versus state scenarios, is there are states moving to put across laws that would make extradition, you know, right, from right. one state to another uh, legal, um, there's... Uh, or it, illegal, rather. Or illegal, yeah. Right. And this is, this is the killer to me. This is, this is where it goes from, you know, beyond insane to who the fuck knows where we are now. There are states that are uh, passing laws, Texas and Oklahoma, I believe, already have, uh, that encourage neighbors to knock on other neighbors. You know, the, the, the liability thing. You know, Who would
0: agree with that? Rolling Stone?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, no, it is reality. Or even
0: worse, MSNBC?
1: Well, tell me this is not true, that Texas has put a law in place that says that, you know, if you report on somebody
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that has facilitated an abortion, uh, you are criminally liable.
0: All right, And I'll tell you what, I would, I would ask politely for us to shelve that talk okay. when you've got an administration right now that's not telling people, hey, please don't go to the, the Supreme Court justices' houses and harass them. Another okay? thing that's
1: like completely off the hook and completely and totally unacceptable right. is I mean, exactly mean lo- My that. point is,
0: there's a lot of unacceptable on both sides. It would seem. And even though I've got zero faith in my fellow man <laughs> and humanity in general, I do think that at some point uh, like just like water finds its own level, yeah. Uh, common sense will plateau at a certain point. Oh, and look, you're
1: Mount the Gods John. And
0: I, you know, because I'm Republican, I do believe in the power of states to pretty much govern themselves. However, you need uh, a, a, a plateau and a common standpoint uh, from a federal level. Okay, right. so let's just put it this way: I believe in a perfect world that abortion should be legal because, like I said, people are going to do it regardless. The people that are against abortion, will always be against abortion, and that's awesome, okay? But the women that need it, I'd rather see them go about it and get the proper care that they need so that their lives are not put in danger, or you're not dealing with some back alley monster who's just mutilating this court. Let's do it humanely. And the thing to also remember is... The the ease of access with the morning-after pill, yeah. and that constitutes about 60 to 65% of quote-unquote abortions it these days. It does now, yeah, it does. Which circumvents this entire argument.
1: Message! Well, it, it is a situation where um, I think there's a very real possibility that the states that are already moving isn't in this direction will make even the abortion... The quote-unquote abortion pill, and that's a terrible scenario. And yeah, yeah may, maybe it's a possibility, you know, and, but and some forms of contraception
0: also illegal. You know, it, it's well saying as we're both Catholics, <laughs> I mean, if we went the, with the the church route, okay? Damn, you've outed me, John. <laughs> we we can't even use condoms. I mean, so let's just say this is also true. You know, from all different aspects of of life, you know, like they say, one man's religion is another man's mythology. Yep. One person's completely rational bodily function and a right to control their own body is somebody else's case of outright murder. Yeah. And those extreme sides of the argument again will never meet on common ground. So what I'd like to see are good friends in mass media mm-hmm. and God forbid both sides of government
1: throwing fucking gas on the fire. Right.
0: Why don't they concentrate on trying to come up with a reasonable compromise amongst reasonable people, yep. okay? Yep. And tune out the saber-rattling from both extreme sides of their parties. Oh, yeah. Now, I know, this is a pipe dream, and I yes, maybe I'm also waiting for time travel to kick in, but <laughs> it's, it's 2022, and like I said, between the crumbling roads, the third-world airports, the outdated infrastructure, the, you know less-than-third-world uh, electrical grid we're working on in this country. Yeah. These are things that our politicians are, are put in office to fix, yep. to work and use their knowledge or whatever, yeah. to haggle it out, get the money, fix this shit, and right or wrong, okay? Obviously, I don't like the fact that anything was leaked from the Supreme Court, but yeah, that's not the most important thing here. The most important thing is we're still going back and forth about abortion. Like you said, this shit kicked off in 73. They went through it in the 80s. I remember hearing about this as a teenager. We Mm -hmm. went through it in the 90s whenever I had a moment of sobriety. All through the (laughs) 2000s, they're still talking about this shit. And to be really honest with you, Mike, whenever they would come up and say, oh, they're going to try and overturn Roe v. Wade or are going to overturn it, I kind of like was of the opinion that no, would they really waste time and well, energy you know, to I do ha- that?
1: I, I hate to cop to it, but I'm kind of in the same boat as you are on on that. As far as like being wrong on so many things, um, I didn't think I was going to live to see the repercussions of climate change. Completely wrong on that one. Right? Didn't think I would ever see marijuana legalized for recreational purposes. You and me both. Thank God <laughs> I was wrong on that one. Um, so many things, you know, that I said, nah, that's yep. not going to happen. Every time somebody. Uh, one of and I mean, you and I, I think are both in the same boat where we feel like our respective parties have been hijacked by extremists of both, but any time somebody on the extreme side of my side of the fence said, "Oh, this is going to happen, roe v Wade's going to be overturned, I was like, no that 's never going to happen we 've decided this yeah. we've fought it out we 've argued about it thirty plus years. This is a done deal. This is not going to come, bu- come up again mm-hmm. and I hate to admit it, but apparently I was wrong again.
2: Yeah,
0: and I'm wrong as well because, you know, even though it's just a, uh, an, an opinion brief and no one has gone down on paper saying, oh, yes, this is how we feel, we're going to overturn it, the fact that it's being bandied about is all it took yeah. to incite, and in its own way, justifiably so. Good word, incite. Those people who were on the vanguard of, of warning us against this possibly happening, it's like, boom, it's coming true. Now, they could say... See, we told you so. Yep. But again, it's like both of our, our, our respective political parties and, and think tanks and way of thinking, it's like they've been hijacked by movie producers. Yeah, and each shame. one, and it's like the, the twin coins of Michael Bay, okay? Who can have <laughs> the, the bigger explosions, the bigger just, you know, extinction event mm-hmm. scenario happening. Oh, yeah. And they're constantly trying to outdo each other. I know. Meanwhile, like I said, all these litany of issues that we should be attending to... we should to, be
1: focusing on and right? dealing with. We've got to deal with this again. And, and let me throw this in, just for shits and giggles. Uh, <laughs> according to Forbes magazine, gun sales in the U.S. hit almost $20 million in 2021. It was the industry's second busiest year on record. Uh, and believe it or not, that was actually down 12.5% from 2020. Uh, in 2021... Uh, there were six guns for every 100 Americans. You know, so you take a scenario, again, where you have a populist that's been dealing with going on three years now of a global pandemic. You know, you have the insanity that's going on with the economy uh, and, and extreme, extreme inflation. This is the worst it's been in, what, 40 years, I yep, think? Yep. Um, you know, you're coming off a controversial presidential election. Uh, let's give all these stressed out, crazy motherfuckers guns. right. You know, let's let's really make it some yeah. fun. And here's another, here we go.
0: Here is another microcosmic co- piece of the of the insanity. We're sitting over here on one hand arguing about abortion. Meanwhile, there is a national shortage of baby formula. <laughs> there's, it's all the shelves are empty in all the stores. Okay. Well, that's
1: the ironic thing: is the actual numbers of abortions being performed in the U.S. has been. Plummeting. Yes. uh, Down
0: 20%, I think they said, over the last 10 years. So, I mean, what does that tell you?
1: Yeah. So so
0: now we got to debate this shit? Right. It's not like, look, (laughs) you know, women don't decide one day, like, you know what? I got a hankering for an abortion. It's not something they do out of convenience. No. It's something that they take pleasure in. It is a miserable, life changing heart-wrenching oh, decision.
1: the psychological reproduction right. or, or repercussions, excuse me, yep, that of, they of live with through the this. rest of their lives.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so again, people, quote-unquote, on my side of the fence that, that paint these women out to be, you know, jet-setting hipsters that are like, whoops, got pregnant, better kill that one. No, Not no, the reality bu- of the situation. No, Nobody's buying that anymore. No, But at the same time, like I said, this, this whole thing of, you know, which is the popular way to, to get results these days, I guess, to go terrorize the people that are making the decisions, they can keep that shit at home, too. Seriously. In a society like we have now, like you said, with all these guns and these spate of, you know, celebrity slappings and the guy rushing <laughs> the stage on Dave Chappelle... <laughs> People are <laughs> oh. such a hair trigger. Yeah. Why would you even invite the possibility of something going really south and more people getting killed? Yeah. You know, we, where's we the responsibility and how people are portraying these news stories? Yeah, we
1: couldn't table this for six months or a right? year or something like that. It's really that urgent that we deal with this. This is why I Especially hate everybody like I said with the numbers <laughs> plunging. The numbers are plunging. I have to laugh. It makes me laugh. It it really actually makes me laugh that apparently millennials and Generation Z people are having a lot less sex than, you know, the good folks in Gen X or the boomers. It's because
0: they that. don't know what sex they are. I kind That's what the problem <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a sort of that little nugget. I'm not supposed to laugh at it, but god damn it, I'm going to anyway. Thank you. Can't god. have sex if you can't identify <laughs> with something.
1: I, god, you know, is, isn't it wonderful we took, we took two weeks off and, and you know... <laughs> Nice to see that people were taking care of business while we were gone. Oh, uh, weren't they ever? God. <laughs> God, where do we go with this? <laughs> well, I'll tell
0: you where we go with this, my friend. We yes. go to the middle gem. I like that thought, John. I do. I truly do. And hopefully we've got something, for oh, perhaps a, a little lighter or kind of shining a light on what the subtopic's going to be today. All right,
1: remind me, was this a Johnny call or was this a me, Mike, MSD? Uh, call? The
0: middle one, no, it's you. Was it really? It was you, yes, because oh. you just had to play something by the kicks. <laughs> Had (laughs) to. Well,
1: anytime you get into an extremely absurd situation, Uh as far as I'm concerned, that's that that calls for the kinks. Yeah, it does. That's
0: professional level sarcasm. Yeah,
1: to put it in perspective for the rest of us, Ray Davies. Yeah, he's the man. He's who we go with for wisdom when it comes comes to a situation like this. So as long as we're gonna go down that road, damn it. (laughs) Uh, I want to throw this out there. This was off the 1979 Kinks album, Low Budget. Totally mm-hmm. appropriate song for the times. A song called Superman.
0: Yeah, that was as one in, of their. I
1: wish I could fly like.
0: Indeed, Superman. So, let's play this for the good folks at home, and we'll be back in a couple minutes with some things and stuff, and an explanation of why we played that song. And uh, right into our second half of the episode, an episode that will here have to be known as the Michael Sean Lee <laughs> episode. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. Yeah.
2: A cigarette and a cup of tea I looked in the mirror, what did I see? A nine stone weakling with knobbly knees I did my knees bend, press ups, touch my toes Had another sneeze and I blew my nose I looked in the mirror at my pigeon chest I had to pull on my clothes because it made me depressed
0: A fun tune. You no, know, Ray Davies... Uh, the the King's
1: entry into disco, by yeah, the way. Yeah, you can always depend on Ray to put things into perspective. Yeah. And, uh, and it's funny that, yeah, it's obviously disco. Um, you know, jumping back a minute, yeah, that's from the uh, 1979 King's album, Low Budget. Uh, the disco feel to the song... Uh, Was a result of their uh, record company president, the legendary Clive Davis, Ah. uh, requesting a song that would be quote unquote
0: club friendly. Gotcha. You know,
1: so they put that together, even though Ray Davies distinctly hated disco. You know, he made it very clear to everybody. Well,
0: most of them would go on the record as saying they hated it, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we'll, we're not going to ruin another potential episode, because one of these days we really need to touch on <laughs> yes, just that, that period where everybody and their brother had to have a disco track. Yeah, no it doubt. Was, it was Slow like down. mandatory.
1: And it's, and it's cool uh, to look back at it in retrospect. Yep. Um, you know, just if you dig campy shit, and I know you and I both do in that respect, <laughs> that... <laughs> <laughs> you know the the things that some of these bands came up with to address that scenario yep yeah but some
0: worked some didn't some
1: distinctly did not but most did god bless them you most know? did yeah and i personally think that one did too yep and uh and it is a lot of fun uh looking back on that and listening to that stuff mm-hmm. it, it truly is it yep. truly is but moving right along
0: <laughs> <laughs> into our subtopic. Yes.
1: I don't it it, it kind of sort of segues because what we're talking about definitely hit, you know, uh was of that era and, mm-hmm. and 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 uh had a lot of those uh Symptoms, I guess, for, like, for lack of, a and better look, word. I mean,
0: any segue song would be up against it today because we're going with such a weighty topic. Oh man, two more light entertainment yeah. fair, yeah, and it's a tough transition even for us to do. Always, always, but this is we're going to have a little fun with this. All right.
1: Um, obviously, this one was you know this one hits near and dear to the heart because I spent 25 years out in Los Angeles, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Um, what we want to talk about today, of course, is uh, the new HBO series *Winning Time*. That's all about the rise of the Laker dynasty of mm-hmm. the late 1970s, uh, early 1980s. And uh, and I have been enjoying the shit out of this show. And <laughs> it let's just truly happens.
0: Let's take right now to say up front, I have not watched any of the show. I've only heard about it from reviews and vicariously through you. Yeah. So guess what, folks. This segment is all <laughs> Michael Sean Lee. He's going to talk like I'm not even here. We're going to have
1: some fun, people. Yes. We're going to have some fun.
0: Which is good, because I'm still fighting the after effects of COVID, so really, you know, we not really, here. We
1: really did not actually touch on that. And we don't you need know, to. Johnny it's T in the past. Johnny just went <laughs> toe-to-toe with the Rona. But, folks, i got to say, sitting him sitting across the table from him. He looks like he came out of it okay.
0: Still alive. that better yeah. been a lot of folks did. There you go. So I'll take go. that and run. So, Indeed. Enthral us, sir, with your Yes, winning
1: time. Well, it's funny because it's, it's been a lightning rod for controversy. Yeah. I guess for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but as we go into this, I want to define the concept of farce for people, <laughs> okay? Uh, per the dictionary meaning of, it's, uh, it's a comic dram- dramatic work that uses buffoonery and horseplay, uh, typically including crude characterizations and ludicrously improbable situations. And I kind of think that fits with winning time. Right. And I really think the people who are criticizing it just are missing the point. They just don't get it. But there's always
0: that segment that just doesn't
1: get it. It is true. And, and <laughs> it, it comes with the risk of uh, doing anything that involves uh, reality, mm-hmm. you know, anything that, that actually really did happen. And, of course, the Laker dynasty of the late 70s, early 1980s did happen. Uh, and it is, of course, based on a book of the same name uh, by a, a sports writer named Jeff Perlman. And it's kind of funny because since this controversy has erupted, he's been interviewed on multiple occasions. And he laughs all the way to the back. He right. flat out does not fucking care. But, uh, but yeah, it is a depiction of, of how the Lakers rose to prominence in that stretch of time. And it's a big, big cast. And... I don't think well almost nobody on the cast gets away with not being lampooned right. to some degree. And uh, and that's that's okay because it's not supposed to be a literal interpretation of reality. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody that doesn't understand that is missing the point and they're not enjoying it for what it is. Right. And I am not one of those people. I am <laughs> enjoying the shit out of this. I truly now, am. Now,
0: in, in fairness, you know, it, it, it reminds me of something my dad had said to me growing up. He was a military man. Yeah. And he never liked any movie that portrayed the, the army as, as goofy, yeah. whether it be Stripes.
2: That's the fact, Jack! Yeah.
0: That's a fact, Jack! Or a Private Benjamin. Or any of those movies that made the military look silly. Right. Because he was there, he had done all that, and he had a a certain reverence and respect for it. Yeah. And in in even, like, odder circumstance, I have to say, and everyone's going to look at me like more of a weirdo from now on, (laughs) as we know, I'm, I'm a big fan of comic books and superheroes. I don't like movies and shows that spoof the concept of superheroes and supervillains and shit like that. Sure. Because I think of it in terms of, you know, from the comic books, like myself, that's what I had to read as a kid, and I believed in all this shit and the ideals that were set forth and the clear-cut good and evil. Yeah. And I don't know, it just kind of irritates me if it's like a spoof movie or, or some shit about that. Yeah. So there's validity to that, but... The opposite is also true. So people like yourself who had lived there during that time and had immersed themselves in that LA sports culture, yeah. you know, you can appreciate it on a different level because you've also got a sense of humor. You need to have that.
1: You absolutely have to have that. Well, but for
0: people that were like around and aware during whatever instances that's being lampooned. Yeah. More often than not, if it's done well, those people find it hysterical yep. because they see and they, they're in on the joke.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, try not to take yourself too seriously, right. please. Right. You know, I mean, the show does take liberties, you know, with facts and events and whatnot, but it disclaimers at the beginning at, and at the end of every show. That should a, cover
0: it. You would yeah, think. Yeah, it's
1: a dramatization. Yeah. And, you know, quite honestly, if you can't go along with that, don't watch it. Right. Because the funny thing is about, you know, all these people. That have been bitching about it and have been throwing rocks at it, as is usually the case. Yep. All they're doing is making it that much more popular. Yep. And uh, and if you can get past uh, the fact that it is a dramatization, it really is a fun show to watch. It truly is, you know. Um, despite the controversy, I should say it, it is truly fun to watch. Well, it's word of mouth, and word of mouth has been very positive on it. Yeah, so far. yeah. And and there are very few, if any, characters. Uh, in the show that escape that kind of uh, I don't know exaggeration right I mean it kind of it, it really does remind me of the, the right stuff, okay you know the movie that was based on uh, that reality. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, they you know took some liberties here and there but you know they did it for the greater good right And at the end, again, it's a lot of fun. And I mean I can't other than uh, I think the character of Jeannie uh, Bus, who currently owns the Lakers. She doesn't really... uh, She's not a a victim of it. Um, I don't really find that the Magic Johnson character, which is played brilliantly by an actor named Quincy Isaiah, he doesn't really get lampooned that much. I mean, Magic Johnson was a character that was larger than life anyway. Right. Um, But the lightning rod, it seems, primarily of um, the criticism is how Jerry West is being portrayed. Mm -hmm. Jerry, Jerry West is an NBA legend. You know, the, uh, the symbol of the NBA, that, that uh, silhouette, yes. is actually, that is Jerry West, yep. you know? And the big problem, I think, with that is the real Jerry West has talked uh, to a great extent about mental illness and depression, you mm-hmm. know? And poor guy, like, was of a very abusive household. Uh, apparently, at the age of 12, he slept, on, he slept with a 12-gauge shotgun underneath his bed because his old man was a drunk. And used to beat his mother and beat his sister. Huh. You know, I hate to, hate to say this is a, a familiar story, but it is. Right. You know, the old man got away with it until Jerry was big enough to defend his mother and his sister. And, you know, this resulted in obvious depression. And, you know, this poor bastard, unfortunately, had to deal with the Lakers uh, losing the finals to the Celtics on something like six <laughs> six years straight. Right. And that, that will fuck up anybody. Yep. You know? And in the series, he is portrayed as a rageaholic. Uh You know, he's constantly screaming, constantly breaking things, blah, blah, blah. But in all honesty, from somebody who's watching it, he's still a sympathetic character. Right. Right. He truly is. You know, he's dealing with the frustrations of being, you know, the head coach and general manager of an NBA team that, you know, frustration constantly. And I don't don't feel so bad about the portrayal because... You know, as the series progresses, he becomes more and more human, right? And he becomes more and more relatable. And uh, you know, that's that's I mean, that's the best you can hope for, quite honestly, in a situation like this. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the legendary Kareem, uh, leveled what is probably the worst criticism that somebody like him could level. He called it boring. Mm. Okay, and you know, maybe if you were someone who lived it, yeah. At this point in time, you probably consider it boring. I don't, but you know, the captain—he deserves his opinion. Right, that's just fine. Um, but yeah, me and uh, millions of other people <laughs> are really enjoying this series, and it, it's 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 truly fun. Uh, even being a Boston Celtic fan, I mean, their portrayal of Larry Bird—you know, he's a vicious, vicious ass <laughs> redneck—you know, portrayed in this. I mean, his first appearance. There's a caption because they break that third wall between yeah. characters and audience frequently. But the, the big, like, flash is, You know, my fucking name. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and anybody that played against Larry Bird knows he was an intense, intense player.
2: Right. He was a
1: vicious son of a bitch, you know, and he played the psychological game and he talked shit. And, uh, and you know, it is what it is. Same thing with the uh, the portrayal of Red Arbach, the legendary Celtic coach, uh, eventual. Uh, general manager, he's played to a hilt by Michael Chiklis, uh, who was from... uh, The Commish. Yes. And a New England native, uh, as a matter of of fact, a Massachusetts native. And uh, he said in interviews that he was honored to play Red. Right. You know, and he plays him to the hilt, you know. In Winning Time, he's fucking evil. (laughs) You know, he's truly fucking evil. But his characterization, particularly if you know him, is absolutely hilarious. You know, and, and, and truly fun to watch. And if you're an actor, and I, you know, way, way back in the day did some acting myself, the the, the character has such gravitas that it's a, just a thrill to play a character right, like right. that. It truly is. And I really have to say, anybody that's going over the top in their criticism of this is not getting it.
2: Pardon my French, but you're an asshole.
1: Is right. not, not getting the point at all. And I have to say to those people... This show wasn't created with you in mind. Trash. Right. You know. So don't watch it. You know. Quite frankly, like I said, they tell you, you know, with disclaimers right at the beginning and right at the end, mm-hmm. this is a dramatization. It is not meant to be a factual account. Right. And uh, and the writer of the show, the creator of the show, uh, or I shouldn't I shouldn't say that the guy who wrote the book that it's based on. His name's Jeff Perlman. He's a sports writer. He doesn't care. Uh You know, the publicity it's getting is completely over the top, and he thinks it's fucking hilarious. And I got to agree with him. And again, you know, anybody who's trying to cancel this, whatever it is you're doing is having the exact opposite effect. Right. You know, it's making it a very, very popular um, show. And again, as somebody who, you know, lived that era Mm -hmm. uh, and understands the rivalry between the two teams... It's thoroughly enjoyable. Right. You know, I remember the first time when I was living out in L.A. that I went to the forum and saw a game between the Lakers and the Celtics. You know, having gone to, you know, many, many, many games to the Boston Garden and, you know, as a Boston Celtic fan, at the forum, I was very careful to keep my voice down. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? Because I didn't want anybody to hear my accent. accent, right. Because I was quite sure if anybody did, I was going to get the shit (laughs) kicked out of me. You know? But fortunately... Laker fans weren't quite that intense. And inevitably, late in the game, after I'd had a few beers, you know, the accent came out, people identified with it, and thought it was really kind of funny that a Celtic fan was there at the forum to see this game. Right. And I will say it did help my overall well being that the Lakers won that day. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, not sure, but if the Celtics had won, the outcome might have been a little bit different. But, you know, as it went, you know the people that the, the, the uh, L.A. Laker fans were great. They were really receptive, and I and I wish I could say that if the roles were reversed and they were at the Boston Garden at that particular time, that their lives wouldn't have been threatened. Because I kind of think that probably, probably would have, yeah. You know, <laughs> but uh, but again, you know, in in putting everything into context, and particularly given uh, the topic that we opened mm-hmm. the show with today. People put it in perspective. Yeah, you know, come on, it's it's for fun, right? And uh, and nobody is purporting it to be uh, reality, right. you know. And, it, and it's really actually kind of funny. Um, Spencer Haywood, NBA legend, Hall of Famer, uh, when he was with the Lakers, unfortunately had a severe, severe cocaine problem, and shockingly enough, was suspended. During the finals that year, when he passed out during practice or something like that, mm-hmm. and he's one guy who has no problem with his portrayal in the series. <laughs> he doesn't care. It's, it's probably because it's
0: he doesn't remember the time. So this it's is probably his only true. It's probably <laughs> true. documentation yeah. of it.
1: but it's kind of funny because you know everybody else is bitching about their portrayal. Right. Um, this one guy who's you know whose portrayal in the series is probably the the harshest. Yep. Um, has no problem with it. Yeah. You know, he's totally cool with it. Yeah, that was the reality of the situation. That was what was going on with me at the time.
0: Yep. And he's completely cool with and it. And I looked at this. I mean, comedy is comedy, but satire is satire. Indeed. And there's always going to be pretty close to 50 50 of who gets it and who doesn't. Yeah. But I would much rather have that. Because sometimes we can even tell when something is funny, even if we don't get it, if that makes sense. Yep. But. You know, to use a probably a bad comparison, but you know, to watch the old Johnny Carson Tonight Show, yeah. okay, where especially now because it was so many years ago, there's a lot of inside humor that was not force fed to people, yeah, and it didn't need to be. No, versus like the Jay Leno years where everything was geared now towards Middle America to make sure everybody got every single joke, yeah, and it was boring as hell. Yeah, you know, so I I I'd cast a vote for edgy. And insightful every day of the week, up up and down versus force fed, corn fed humor, yeah. you
1: know? Yeah. And, you know, getting back to it, um, Jerry West, I think it was in 2011, uh, published an autobiography. It was called My Charmed and Tormented Life, yep. you know? And if you know the story of the guy, you feel for him. Right. You know what? <laughs> Christ, he grew up having to defend his mother and his sister from his sure. drunken fucking asshole And I
0: tell you what, father? the more success this show has, I would not be surprised if the next one, they do something on the 86 Mets. <laughs> Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Because talk about a, a cavalcade of dysfunction yeah. and, and a rogues gallery, as much mm-hmm. as I love these guys... There was just so much shit going on, and the the cocaine that was flowing in that clubhouse was ridiculous. Yeah, from Davy Johnson, the manager, straight on down. Oh yeah, well documented. Right, you and know? we and again that would be the same instance of people who who you know deify the, these athletes that could do no wrong. Yeah, and oh, you're messing with my childhood memories. Blah blah blah. Look, there's a lot of comedy to be had. Oh yeah, and look, as long as you you tell it straight and true and you don't like pull any punches shit's funny
1: oh yeah well I I don't I don't see any deliberate character assassinations going on here I really don't and like I said with the Jerry West character as the season progresses he becomes more and more relatable Right,
0: you know, and he
1: becomes more and more sympathetic. Yeah, so that's some good writing right there.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm gonna have to turn in and and check this out myself now. <laughs> nice. See, your word of mouth has worked. Nice,
1: I appreciate that. I appreciate that
0: because <laughs> we like most of the same stuff, and we recommend folks. You know, behind the scenes, we're always recommending. Oh, did you see this? You need to see that. Absolutely. And, and normally, we're dead on. We we, yeah. we find the same shit funny and and or, and or interesting. Yeah, and. Uh, you know. And to a great
1: degree, in a lot of ways, we appreciate the same thing for different reasons, right? You know, and there inevitably is a common ground there. Yep. You know, and uh, and I do enjoy, you know, listening to your perspective on certain things, which differ from mine, because a lot of times it's like I fucking didn't think of that, <laughs> right? You know, and that makes it that much more enjoyable and that much more worthy of consideration. You know, or I didn't see that. I need to go back and watch that again. Right. You know, to pick up that perspective on it. You yep. know, I mean, there's a there's a uh, an episode where they uh, redo Kareem's uh, participation in the original airplane film, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, and it's funny. You know, they do it straight up. You know, the way it was filmed and the way everybody saw it on camera. And then afterwards, in the in the TV series, you know, Kareem's sitting off to the side, and the kid comes up to him, and he's like, you know. In reality, I really am a big Laker fan. I'm really a big Kareem fan. And, you know, this is so cool. I get to work with you and blah, blah, blah. And the Kareem character turns to him and he says, fuck off.
2: I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense.
1: Right. And he gets up and walks away. (laughs) And it's absolutely hilarious. Right.
0: You know? And And it never happened. That's what they say. the Zuckers came out who produced the airplane movies. They said, no, he was an absolute delight to work with. We never had any issues whatsoever.
1: Yeah. And so. it, but it's fucking hilarious when you yeah. watch it. And if you know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, and the respected figure that he is, uh-huh. you'll know that, nah, that, that didn't really happen. But that's what makes it funny. So if but they take
0: liberties, it's for a reason. Exactly. it's funny.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I have to say that the actor that they got to portray him, a kid named Solomon Hughes, uh-huh. does a phenomenal job. Phenomenal. You know, the likeness is amazing. Right. You know? So overall, yeah, I I, I get the controversy, but you know, let go of all that bullshit. Mm. You know, watch the show for what it is and enjoy it for
0: what it is. Because it's
1: it truly is enjoyable and fun to watch.
0: And we need so many things to distract us into an enjoy. Jesus, I'm so telling you. I'm telling you. It. I will check it out and uh, we'll swap opinions nice. at that point. Nice. I like it. I like okay. it. So moving right along, Johnny. What do we got going on? Well, we're moving right along at a blistering pace. We and are Of course, new. it's time for a third gem. Nice. Which even though this is a production. Predominantly Michael Sean Lee episode. <laughs> I, I pushed for this gem, which I thought you would like poo poo and hate as the day is long, but no. oh. you kind of got where I was coming from Absolutely. right off the bat. Absolutely. Because for those of us who never had the experience of living on the West Coast, and my, my experience with California was limited to a couple business trips, and that's yeah. it. Okay. So when I think back as, uh, as, as a kid, my my recollection of what I think California was like it was a mixture of the Bad News Bears (laughs) every episode of Chips and this little ditty by Mr. Randy Newman called I Love L.A. Hell yeah. So to keep it light and fluffy and again a little bit of satire Mm -hmm. I said "Eh, yeah let's make that our third jam. Let's roll with it. So let's throw this at the good folks at home and then we'll come back for some things and stuff and wrap ups and you name it so stay tuned.
2: outside. Santa the winds blowing hot from the north. We were born to ride. Roll down the wind, put down the top. Crank up the beach for us, baby. Don't let the music stop. We're going to ride it till we just can't ride it no more. Yay! Okay. Come over there, man, he's down on his knees Look at these women
1: perspective right. on things you know I mean he he brings it in a very very unique way I have to say yep. and I just respect the shit out of him for it I truly yeah. do that uh, that of course was a song called I Love LA it was off his 1983 album Trouble in Paradise very very appropriate yep and uh and according to legend oh there legend, you go
0: is this a classic MSL anecdote ah,
1: yeah perhaps perhaps uh he was on a plane with Don Henley from the Eagles. The okay. Eagles drummer, yep. uh, songwriter, singer, extraordinary, an amazing dude. Uh, and Henley suggested he write a song about L.A. Huh. And, uh, and this is what he came up with. And, uh, you know, I mean, quite honestly, Don Henley suggests you write a song...
0: I you think do you it. should go for yeah. it. I, I truly do. I, <laughs> I mean, it's do. no its no Hotel California. Well, of course not. But I think, I mean, especially, you know, we cheated. We watched the video that came out with it. Yep. And it does. It screams LA of that that time it period. truly does. You know? It truly or does. Or to put it this way, again, because I wasn't there, I can only speculate. Yep. It definitely yeah. works as like a tourism piece. Yeah. You know? And it, it, people see that and they're like... I, I want to be there. I want to see Bikini Girls and yep. Rodeo Drive it and truly, everything else. It truly
1: does. Well, you know, if you get it, you know, if you're on the inside track, then right. absolutely. And I mean, I will say, you know, having, you know, been born and bred in the Northeast and whatnot, um, Southern California is an acquired taste. It truly is. Oh, sure. And, yeah. it, and it is very different than reality in just about anywhere else, not just in the continental United States, but I yeah. think in the rest of the world. And it's it's just a very unique experience to be there, yep. and, uh, and particularly if you're an outsider, and uh, and nobody captures it quite like Randy Newman does, right? You know, talk about just an astute, intelligent songwriter, Yep. you know, and uh, and yeah, that song nails it. Just he's a, he's a West it.
0: Coast Doctor John. This is true. This is true. <laughs> uh,
1: nicely put, Johnny. There nicely you go. put. So. Anyway, moving right along. Johnny, what's, uh, what's new and exciting at Big Boom Radio this week?
0: My goodness, so much going on. Um, well, as we speak tonight, we're sponsoring a uh, Blitzkrieg Pro pay-per-view called oh, Look right. My Way. Uh, sorry we couldn't be in attendance. We will definitely get them June 24th. Uh, and I'm going to drag you with me, kicking and screaming, because <laughs> right. we're going to do some more uh, swag giveaways and, nice. and merch for Perch at their annual Luau event, which, as we know, because we went to the last one, just a damn good time. I like it. And you got you to gotta keep your head on a swivel, as they say, because, look, they came and got our chairs and then <laughs> beat each other to hell with it. It was very exciting. That is when the evening got
2: fun. Right. That was when it really,
0: <laughs> really was like, okay, here we yep. go. So that's what we got on the horizon on that note. Uh, otherwise, still pumping out, uh, really, so far this year, period, pumping out new material for Big Boom Radio at a blistering pace. Nice. Another full slant, of weekly slant of shows coming out. Uh, yet another version of the Rockabilly Billy Rumble. This time we're going back to the beach. All right. So there's so many great surf rock hits from the 50s and 60s in that serious one. Serious
1: potential in that one.
0: Yeah, and it just it continues to grow and evolve. And we've got fans, both you know, famous and infamous alike, of the show. Nice. So it's yeah, that one just runs itself, and uh, you know, like everything else, just keeps evolving. Nice. We had another new entry. Uh, it's actually episode number one. Forty-two All right. of the Classic Rock Showcase, featuring uh, one of our guilty pleasure bands, The Sweet. Nice. So yeah, so we're closing in on hundred and fifty episodes of the wow. Classic Rock Showcase. Wow. Yeah, just yeah. If it's busy, The Sweet, you got to
1: put that on your calendar, man. Yeah, there. totally. Yeah. Nice.
0: So definitely, yeah, I'll give you a heads up for everyone when that's coming up. And don't forget, folks, please check out BigBoomRadio.com. This show, as much as we love it and a labor of love that it is. It's just a small piece of the puzzle that is BigBoomRadio.com. We've got so much stuff going on there, and you'll always see every week a list of the episodes of the Classic Rock Showcase that are being aired at that time, so you can tune in and check it out. And, uh, you know, of course, this podcast you can download at your leisure, and I'll do things like throw out a tweet, you know, Mm -hmm. our, our Twitter handle, for those that don't have it, it's uh, at Big Boom Radio one the number one. So let me get in the street. We tweet occasionally. Wow yeah, neither one of us are big on the Twitter yeah but it, it's it's out there And again, I gotta give a tip and a hat to our friends at Blitzkrieg Pro because um, we've gotten so wrapped up in their thread now and they're giving us shout outs for this that and the other thing. Nice. it's it's fun. I mean, Maybe things will change now that Mr. Musk has purchased oh Twitter. Who knows? Oh, man. But yeah, digging it, and I'm just getting my feet wet in it because, you know, I'm, I'm like to say, a boober. Yeah. And I don't understand a, a lot boomer? of the technology. Boomer? Yeah. Generation from, X, aren't you? Yeah, no, from a uh, social media standpoint. Ah, as okay. an old head, they gotcha. call us okay. you know, boomers. Okay. All right. So I'm more of a master of Facebook, and, uh, you know, I need to do more on in Instagram and, and Twitter because that's where it's at. That's where everybody goes. Indeed. So, but yeah. All new material coming up, so we're going to keep busy there. And of course, if you have an idea, or if you have a band you'd like us to perhaps showcase on uh, the Passive yeah. Rock Showcase, yep. drop me a line. It's very simple. It's john at bigboomradio.com. And hey, just share your thoughts. I mean, I've heard from a lot of different people, some uh, bands that we all know, all right. uh, and musicians that we all know say, hey, would you play this? You know, we like your show, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Yeah, we're totally down with that. Please yeah. keep it coming. And uh, yeah, just, just good stuff all ne- around.
1: Never a dull moment around here.
0: Never. And you know mind. me, the, the busier I am, the better off I am. <laughs> and now that, yeah, thankfully this COVID 19 and my bout with it is almost in a new rear view mirror. Yes. Oof.
1: And it's, it's for the best of all involved that we keep Johnny busy. It, it truly is. Yeah,
0: because really, an idle mind is indeed the devil's workshop. <laughs> <laughs> We don't want that, folks. Hell no. We don't want Hells that. To the no. So again, thank you so much for joining us on this, our 110th episode of Riffs and Rants. We're closing in on 10,000 downloads. Wow. And that's all because of you people. I had nothing to do with it. So on that note, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I am Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we will see you all on the flip side.